small or small Boy or girl, brown, pink or black or white And welcome back to Barn Banter The podcast for kids musicians By a kids musician That's me, Cowboy Andy And this is my podcast Where I get a chance to chat with other people Who are doing the same thing I'm doing Trying to share music and dance and love and fun with kids and families, doing it in our own very specific way. And today, on today's podcast, I am super excited about this because this is one of those six months in the making type things. Do you ever, okay, you ever look at the night uh, sky and you see in this great, now I'm in Montana, western Montana, high in the mountains. So when I go out at night and it's clear, I see all the stars. I mean, it's just glorious. And if you've ever done that where you're out there and you're looking and, and then for some reason... There's one in the millions of stars that you can see. One light is starting to shine in a very specific way. Maybe it's casting a little bit more blue or red or indigo or purple. But it's just one of those things when you're like, what's up with that one? Why is that one so different than the rest? And it's giving off that one color and your eyes drift away and then your eyes drift back and you go, wow, that is so cool. This performer is one of those stars out there who, when I first noticed what she was doing, I was like, first, she's not doing it like everybody else. Nobody else is doing it like her. And she is doing it with incredible passion and just electricity. And so please forgive the absolutely ridiculous, um, was that an analogy or a metaphor, parable? The fact that today we're going to talk to Twinkle Time. Twinkle, welcome to the barn! That was the best intro ever. I got goosebumps, and that was so sweet. Oh, oh it was genuine. I love that. Oh, it was totally oh, genuine. Though, I almost like teared up. I was like, "Don't oh. mess up your makeup." <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but it's genuine, though. Here's the thing: is that there's a lot of folks out there who can pick up an acoustic guitar and they can get in the little library chairs and play, and I just totally respect those folks. And there's people yeah. like me who get up on stage and play at events and do that sort of thing. And that's a that's a different kind of performer. And there's a lot of us out there, but there aren't very many people like you who are doing dance and music and movement and song and you're and bilingual and like you're a you are a complete unique um presentation in this industry as far as i've Thank been able you. to find and so i was really curious that, to talk to you about this that okay that is so sweet i i fully am so humbled and and a little speechless and those of you who know me i'm I talk a lot. So that, um, and coming from peers in the same kind of genre of music, that means a lot. Um, because yeah, I, I am different in, in the genre of, I guess, kindy music or family music. Um, however you want to label the music that we do, but family entertainment, um, and I've been met with so many challenges because I'm different and because I don't play an instrument. Um, it's It's been a really uphill climb, like constant, constant. I feel like it's extra challenging for me, uh, not within uh, the people that come to my shows, not, not in that regards. That, that has helped me gain accolades and the success that I have so far doing children's music, but it's the 
the outside, the, the people that are in the inner circle or the people that, um, that an artist needs to kind of grow, that's been extremely challenging just because I am different. Mm -hmm. um, so to hear other peers uh, put it in a really good light and appreciate and, and really understand what it is that I'm trying to do is so um, it just touches the heart in a big way. Well, and getting to the point of, of doing what you're trying to do, there is something mm -hmm. about what you're doing, which if, and here's the thing, if like if anybody listening to this podcast, if you have not checked out Twinkle Time, even just on a very surface level, go to her, her Facebook page or her website and just see what the type and style of performance that she provides that setting it's completely different and I would say pretty intimidating for oh. a lot of other musicians. Look, there's no way that I could pull it off because it's there's so many different aspects of theater and music and dance mm -hmm. that you're incorporating into your yeah. performance. It's one thing to get up and turn a guitar amp on and stand behind a, you know, a sure mic on stage and play and sing. And that's that's scary and intimidating in itself to have of to try course. and do that. Yeah. Uh, but what you do is much more uh, exposed in a way, mm. you know, as yeah, and different. It's like Britney Spears, like to, to, <laughs> you know, to like look at a performer like Britney Spears or Beyonce and be like, how do they, how do they do that? And uh, you're doing it for in kids in the in the kids music genre. Thank you. That is kind of what I set out to do. Not intentionally, but that's, that's who I am. What I wanted to do when I did music for kids is to encompass everything that I do naturally, which is singing, dancing, acting, musical theater, implement pop culture because I'm all about it. I'm all about fashion. I also come from a lineage of teachers and mm -hmm. educators in my family, like my grandparents. Uh, my grandfather in Peru was a principal of an elementary school. My grandma was a teacher. My parents are still teachers, although my dad doesn't teach children. My dad's an ESL teacher, teacher English as a second mm -hmm. language teacher to adults. My mom is a, uh, a TK, which is like pre-K kindergarten classes. Education was extremely uh, important in my household growing up. And so kind of encompassing all of those uh, and putting it into something positive, but with cool music is what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how, how I started. Different paths to the, I mean, take whatever path that you are comfortable with to get to the, to get to the end result. Right. You, and um, there's, there's about four or five big buckets that I want to chat with you about today. Yes. In our, in our Let's time. do it. Uh, it. From a historical perspective. And this was one of those things where I got kind of a little freaked out when I started to research you because I was like to research <laughs> the folks who are going to come on. And uh, you previously did two things that were th I thought were like totally cool. One of them <laughs> is uh, you were in a band called Nobody's Angel. Mm-hmm. And I was. Uh, can you share a little bit about that? Of course I can. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so I'm so not intimidating. Uh, like I've heard that like a lot recently. And I'm, I just want to let everybody know I'm the biggest dork that you're ever going to meet. Like, I'm not even kidding. I wear and proudly present my dork flag high up in the sky. So <laughs> I am not intimidating. Please never. Uh, I mean, I think people look at me, first of all, I know we went off the subject, but I'm sure people think, oh my God, she's so confident. I, I just, you know, I've been doing what I love to do since I was five. Mm -hmm. And so I totally believe in myself, but I'm not confident. I have insecurities just like everybody else, but nobody's angel was an amazing time in my life. I was, um, I got to do something that a lot of musicians, uh, and amazing talented, uh, singers and artists might not ever get a chance to do. So even though we didn't hit the pinnacle of success that I probably wanted and others in my band wanted, we did like looking back, we've done so much, we did so many amazing things. So it was a group that I was the lead singer. There was three other girls in my band. Um, it was like literally right after high school. Um, we, it, you know, before the reality of shows that were coming out of the making of the pop bands and the groups and all that kind of stuff, we were prior to that. So like when I say we hit the ground running, knocking on doors, hitting the pavement, that is like serious like we literally had a demo um like a cassette demo like mm -hmm. i have like i think <laughs> i shared it on a throwback thursday on instagram a cassette demo um and we literally went from label to label the spice girls had just like blew up and so it was like great timing because now every record label wanted their own version of the spice girls mm -hmm. And so we had a lot, a lot of interest from different labels, but the label that we all collectively decided was the best label for us at the time was Hollywood Records, which is part of Disney. Now, Hollywood Records was somewhat newer. They were kind of like revamping themselves at the time. So they didn't have a lot of hit artists at the time because they were kind of like revamping. They had just gotten... Um, Bob Cavallo, who was Prince's manager, Paula Abdul's manager, Bob Cavallo's amazing, who had just become the president and he was going to like make this label like the next big thing. Mm -hmm. And the great, great thing about that label was it was connected to Disney. It's all part of Disney. And so we were like, our, our thing was we were all singers, dancers, actors. We'd all met doing stuff throughout Los Angeles, working together. And um, so we wanted a TV show too, you know, like we wanted to do everything. We wanted to be like the next, um, I don't know, like the monkeys that had like a show, you know, like mm -hmm. an album and a show and all that kind of stuff. So we got signed and it was such an amazing ride uh, and such a, almost like my college experience, mm -hmm. uh, learning about the music industry. We toured with Britney Spears. We um, toured with the Backstreet Boys because we were part of Disney. We uh, did everything Disney. Like they, they call it synergy. So uh, mm -hmm. we did a movie, a Disney original movie called Model Behavior with Justin Timberlake that was super successful. We kind of like premiered like what 
like to the to everywhere in the world before our album came out on an episode of Boy Meets World. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people that are diehard Boy Meets World fans will remember that episode. Um, and it was supposed to be our introduction uh, to our TV show. Like we had done a pilot uh, with the same creator and writer, Michael Jacobs, who created Boy Meets World and so many other shows. In fact, um, I had reoccurred when I was younger on a show that he had done called My Two Dads. I was the girl's best friend on that show for a season and a half. Yeah, it was just kind of weird how everything comes back full circle. Um, But because of so many things that go behind the scenes, uh, the the pilot, um, the TV show didn't come to fruition. Um, but, and we, we received like a gold record for some of our songs on princess diaries, uh, the movie princess Mm -hmm, diaries. mm -hmm. So we did so many amazing things. We recorded a second album that didn't get to see the light of day. Also, that's like a whole other podcast (laughs) on a different day. Uh (laughs) I mean, I, I got stories. I got stories. Um, yeah, my, my life is seriously a book. Um, and, and then we got another TV show deal with ABC family that again, um, so basically the teeter of it going away was because by then, by our second album, now we had all those reality shows, uh, the making of this show, the making of this band, the making of this pop girl band that the market had gotten so oversaturated mm-hmm. with manufactured groups that radio was tired of playing boy band and girl bands. So whoever was like super successful, like NSYNC and Backstreet and the Spice Girls um, and All Saints, which is a group from the UK, they wanted, they didn't want anything to do with anybody else. So we got Radio Disney love. We got some love on club hits. Like we charted on Billboard and all that kind of stuff. But that's so that's part of the reason our second album didn't come out our our label was like look if there's no tv show we're not going to put a lot of money behind it marketing wise Mm -hmm. so if the tv show doesn't move forward which uh abc family was kind of like changing their direction so it didn't fit their direction they were going then we're just you know we're just going to send you out on the road per diem whatever and at the time being young and not really knowing and understanding the business as much as I do now, we're like, oh, well, we all live on our own per diem. That's not going to cut it. They only already gave us an advance. Like where, how are we going to, you know, like, what are we going to do? Um, so we collectively collectively decided that we would end it looking back, probably not the best decision, but when you're young and you're like, you just didn't really understand the business. Now, if I was in that position, I would have been like, Oh, we're just going to do it. You know, indie style. We're going to do this, 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 and this. Mm -hmm. But at the time, you know, that's, you live and learn. Right. And if if it was supposed to happen that way, it would have happened that way. But like I said, it was the best experience as far as learning the business of the music industry and how that works. And, um, and then, so yeah, that was my, my time and, and nobody's angel. That was like probably almost eight years of my life. Wow. There was a, there's a perspective, a question about this that I wanted to ask because you're, you were born in California, raised in California. You are a Cali girl. That's right. Born and raised true Cali. (laughs) And it's all orange County pretty much. 
I yes, so I don't live in LA. I live more in the Orange County side, which is by Disneyland. So it's like a good hour away from LA. How was it for you then growing up there and being in that culture and from the age of five uh you were performing? How that's a different perspective. How did it feel then when you walked through the doors having just signed the deal with and like Disney was paying attention and those were going on? Was that because there's the dream from people outside who go to LA, they get off the bus, they make it. And then mm-hmm. that's an ex- that's a totally different experience. Mm-hmm. But your experience growing up in LA or in, in Orange County down in that area, did it just make sense? Was it just like, oh no, this is something, this is just something that you can do because it's just the business of LA. It's the, it's the Hollywood business. And so if I just do this and this and this, I can, this is the natural result of it. Did it make more sense? Did, did it make sense to you that that was achievable? No, um, it didn't. I was I was very sheltered. Um, it's funny because everyone's like, oh, you must be a showbiz kid. In in a sense, yes, I was a showbiz kid. And I, I it's so weird because I've been doing it for so long. I'm kind of like a veteran. <laughs> it's kind of weird. But the thing is, is that was like one part of my life. But I was really a very shy innocent kid because my parents did a really good job at keeping me in a bubble, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, if that makes any sense, like, although I had this crazy world that people would be like, Oh my God, I was a really normal kid. And my parents made sure I went to school that I did kid things. They kept me young and they didn't want me to grow up as fast. Mm -hmm. So if, if that makes any sense. So, um, and, and then like being around my friends was so important to me because I lived a life outside of school where I was stuck in a world living with adults and working with adults mm-hmm. that I was like this little grown up. Like I, I, I grew up fast because when you're on sets and you're doing things, you're with adults. And so my work ethic was insane. Like I, it's just very strange, but then going to school was like a time for me just to be a kid. So my parents always told me that this life that I chose, because my dad was very against this as you know, from, for a very long time, I got accepted to different colleges and I said no. And I said, I already knew in my heart what I wanted to do. And I think he was afraid that I was going to choose a life of instability, which it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but he was like, you know, what are you going to do? I was like, this is what I want to do in life. So I already have made up my mind. I was a very determined kid and very persistent. And I said, if I have to, you know, have bad years where I'm just, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. That's what I'm choosing to do. So he was supportive, not thrilled at first, but, um, I think in a way he kind of wanted me to do other stuff. So when I got this record deal, it was, it was like, so wow, because I, I already had friends in LA that were trying to get record deals and they weren't getting the record deals and they weren't getting the things. So it, it it wasn't like, oh yeah, this happens all the time here in LA. No, like I knew people from all over that they, who were maybe better singers or better musicians. Um, and, and that's another thing too, is you could be the best singer, the best musician, but it's just, 
you're either at the right spot at the right time. It, 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 there's so many factors, you know, like, or you're working with the right people, or you've got the right click of people getting you in the door. Um, so there's just so many factors. So it's like, I think any artist should just always feel lucky and blessed when they achieve little milestones. Mm -hmm. um, that's how I always view things. It was, it's a, it's, it seems because of what you've done and this persona that you've now developed with Twinkle Time and even, and before, you know, you go online and it's like, oh my God, there's all these pictures of you doing really cool things and videos of you that are like, that's like a real video. I mean, it's just like you've, exper <laughs> you've experienced that rock and roll dream that uh, people like me have always been like, I wonder what that's like. And it was just one of those questions I had. It's like, well, you know, it's one thing to like grow up in Montana where I can go for a walk and fish in some of the best trout fishing rivers on planet Earth. And nice. I just, and I grew up doing it. And for people from, you know, Tennessee, they come here for vacation and they're like, what would it be like to live there and experience that? And to me, it's like, well, you still have to go out and go fishing, you know. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. It's like, well, you still had to put together the band. You still had to work incredibly hard and yeah, have discipline. It didn't come easy. That's yeah, the okay. thing. It didn't come easy before we got signed. Like we were a group from 95, the end of 95. We got signed in 98. So that that's a long time. And And if anybody has ever been in a band, especially all girls <laughs> it ain't easy um and and then we got signed in 98 our album didn't come out till 2000 and then our we did another album so and we got dropped in almost the end of 2002 so like there's so many it's a process you know like nothing if things come easy, then you're uber lucky. And uh, but nothing happens. Nothing happens overnight. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, you brought up an interesting time period. There was the time period from 1990 to 1995. And have you ever been to Alaska? I have. Have you been to Anchorage, Alaska? I have. Have you performed in Anchorage, Alaska? I have. Were you with Ted Neely at the time? I was. Oh my god, I saw you. I <gasps> saw you. Oh, this is so this cool. Christ, superstar. superstar. <laughs> oh my god, I have I'm such a crazy superstar fan and have been since it since it came out because I'm, oh I'm really gosh. old. Oh my gosh. Um was living in Anchorage, Alaska. Oh and, my gosh. And bought tickets and was so excited and went to the the main theater there to watch Jesus Christ Superstar. And yes. only recently when, um, oh, I'm going to write his name down. He played Judas in the movie. And he Carl recently, Anderson. Just recently passed away. Yes. Um, uh, you posted something on socials about how you'd perform with him. And I put it together and I was like, no, it, like there's this weird chance that I got to see you. I've actually seen you perform. That was me. Yeah. So I, I okay, a crazy story. That was literally right out of high school. Um so I started off in musical theater and I recommend anybody to do community theater, musical theater. It's live. Anything happens. You got to be prepared for anything and everything. That's I, musical theater is the best, best thing ever. Um, I got to do the last couple of months on Broadway before, well, actually the last month um, and um, had never seen the show before. 
ever in my life. Didn't know the music. Um, I literally had, I went on the first day. They, I had rehearsals all day and I went on that night and I was like, oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. It was <laughs> insane. Um, and I, I, that was like a blur, but anyways, they went from a union production to a non-union production mm. because of touring touring. That was, it's the longest, longest running, uh, tour, the Jesus Christ superstar tour, uh, and the most expensive. Uh, bus and truck tour probably ever. Um, and so the only way to make it work was it for it to go non-union. So mm. I gave up my equity card to make it go non-union to go and have this opportunity of a lifetime to perform with freaking Ted Neely and mm. Carl Anderson. Oh, and um, on top of that, we were performing to sold out arenas daily. Yeah. So all summer, it was sold out arenas. I did never heard the music, didn't know the show, and I'll 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 come back. Uh, this is full circle. My mom and dad went on their second date before they thought about getting married, about having children. I mean, the second date they went to see Jesus Christ Superstar in California at the Universal Amphitheater when before it was a closed amphitheater, when it was an open mm -hmm. amphitheater with. Ted Neely and Carl Anderson. Oh, and then, then getting to see their daughter years later perform at Universal Amphitheater, now covered <laughs> with Ted Neely and Carl Anderson. I brought my parents backstage. My dad, the one who was unsure of me being <laughs> in show business his entire life, cried oh. because he was like, oh my gosh. I took my wife, who was just my girlfriend, to see this years ago, and now meeting Ted and Carl at the same location. How crazy is that, right? Oh, man. That's when you know everything is like serendipity or it's like in the cards for you. Who knows? But another amazing experience of a lifetime because, um, so performing at sold out arenas with diehard Ted heads, as they are called, mm -hmm. where they would literally travel from city to city watching. And this guy, Ted, he, he like, so there was, I forget how many buses there were. There was like two cast buses, a couple crew buses. He was on the bus with the musicians and um, they could never leave in caravan because after every show, Ted literally would stand outside and talk to every single person that waited for him to autograph, to take pictures, and to thank each person individually. And I thought that was the coolest thing on the planet. And I would talk to him and ask him, and he says, you know what? I've been doing this for, at the time, over 25 years. Mm -hmm. This has allowed me to live. It's put food on my table for my family. And it was because of these people that have been coming and then their kids come so that all these things i've done have been like such amazing experiences and to be in to to watch ted and carl perform night after night and that's another thing for any artist no matter how many times you've performed the same show they do it like they've never performed it mm -hmm. and because he would say 
these people, maybe there's one person in the audience or 10 people that have never seen you perform. You got to sell it every single night. Mm -hmm. And he did like, oh. and he still does. He's still well, on the road. The expectations though. Here's the thing. The expectations. Like if you pay tickets, if you pay the money to go by to, to see that show, you want to see the performance that you remember seeing in the movie theater, you know, years ago or, or yeah. you know, wherever you were first exposed to it. And yeah. that's a really heavy obligation to carry. I've heard that Ted, uh, Ted Neely is just a, a genuinely sweetheart of a guy. And it's as uh, if, yes. it's as if uh, you know, the role that he plays has imbued into him or he's imbued into the role. It's like this really cool sort of thing about him that um, I've heard anyway. I know this. some people might be like, oh my God, you can't say that. But if there is a God... <laughs> <laughs> if there is a Jesus, <laughs> it might be Ted. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he really is. That's that's who he is on and off stage. Yeah. He is amazing. I mean, there there are no words to describe him. He he is who he is at all times. And um, any tour, like, because you know, obviously. Some people tour for a long time. I did it for a long time, but then, you know, you move on to other things. Um, but everybody is his family and mm. he, and it's, it's just awesome. And his kids grew up and his, now his daughter is his social media and goes on the road and it does all his social media. Oh, it's, nice. he's just a, a wonderful human being. I had to talk to you about that when I heard that. I was so <laughs> hopeful. I was so like crossing my fingers because I didn't check that to see if you performed. What was your role? What, what role did you play? So I was one of the temptresses. I was Judas's temptress, uh, the one in the red. Yes. Right. And also I was a second cover. Now, mind you, I was out of high school, second cover for Mary. So Mary Magdalene. So that, I mean, just amazing. And so, and the amount cover, of pressure. That, sec, second cover, is that like understudy, basically? So, well, in tour, mm -hmm everybody has to cover so many things. So like there's the understudy and then there's the cover and then the second cover okay. and everybody has to learn multiple tracks because if, if the, un if the Mary can't do the show, now the understudy gets to go. That means this person now has to do this person's sure, track and sure. this person has to do this, you know, so everybody kind of moves. Mm -hmm. So not only are you learning your track, which is, you know, temptress, but you have to learn multiple other tracks in the event that they're like, okay, go, you're doing this, this. Yeah. You might know in like 15 minutes because yeah. you don't know. Like, and that's, what, and what sometimes that's all you get. Yeah. So somebody might get injured, somebody's sick, somebody, you know, like whatever it may be, somebody, you know, has a death in the family, they have to go home. So everybody has to move so many positions and you don't really have a rehearsal. Like you have a rehearsal to practice, but it's not a daily thing. So mm -hmm. you might literally just have a sound check of singing the song and then just kind of do a little prayer side of stage and just make sure that every you remember everything. <laughs> That's why I'm saying musical theater is like awesome because like you it's it's live, you know, mm -hmm. like there's no looking back. You just gotta go. <laughs> I did a stint of community theater here in Missoula and I did Jesus Christ Superstar. I played Andrew, which made yeah. sense. And uh God, yeah, it was fantastic. I mean, it's really cool when when that energy and that performance come together, which uh getting Going back to the twinkle time now, now that we yes. have all my, now that my fanboy thing is appreciated, <laughs> uh, you do a thing uh, down at the Santa Monica Kids Place or Santa Monica Place Kids yes. Club. 
Yes. Did you did you uh, build that yourself, or is that something that was established that you just sort of took over, or what is what is that about? Because I know that you it's an active program, and you you invite other musicians, and it seems pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. So. For those of you guys who don't even know who I am, so I am a bilingual recording artist for kids and families, obviously, because that's why we're on Andy's podcast. Um, but um, I obviously from Los Angeles, I have worked my booty off building relationships. I think in this industry, it's all about building relationships, right? Getting the opportunity, knocking on doors. And so because of the building of relationships and always making sure that I do a good job, no matter who's in the audience. And I, I had, like I said, I, I built a really awesome fan base from people coming to my shows and doing it myself, you know, without the publicists, without, you know, the booking agents and all that kind of stuff that the people that are in the hiring positions from properties came to me from that particular property, Santa Monica place in Santa Monica, which is a very nice high end outdoor, beautiful, right? Like literally in walking distance from Santa Monica beach, they came to me and they're like, we would like to offer you this. Would you be interested? And I almost said no, because I now do, oh, this was three years ago. This is my third year. Sadly, because of the corona, we only did, actually we did, we did three, three, three in 2020. Um, but they came to me and said, could you do this? And I almost said no. I said, let me think about it because I do over 250 dates a year. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I don't know if I have time to to add producer to music series to my schedule. And they're like, but it's only once a month. And I was like, oh, that might be interesting. So <laughs> I said, um, can I book it like ahead of time? Like, is this for sure? Like you're gonna use me for the year? And they're like, yes. And I was like, oh, okay. Well then I can book it in December, try to have, or even the beginning of January when things are really slow. And if I can have my whole series booked, through the whole year. That way I don't have to worry about it when I'm super busy, then mm -hmm. perfect. So I said yes for many different reasons because I wanted to, A, I'm, I'm all about kind of including other people, you know, like I'm not competitive in the way where I'm like, oh my God, it's another children's artist. I can't have them, you know, but you know, I, I'm not like that because here's the deal. There's room for everybody, right? And everybody has their own thing. I know that nobody does what I do. It's different, you know, like everybody has their own thing, their own own style that they bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's something that everybody should remember is that you're you and I'm myself and we're all different. So I was like, okay, sure. So um, it became, and, and, and it's something too that I also fought hard because, you know, sometimes these smaller venues, um, like they think that this is what we do just as a hobby. And so they kind of like almost throw you a bone financially. And, but this is what we do for a living. And they, they don't understand, like they think, oh, they're just playing songs for 30 minutes, but no, it's not just your 30 minutes. Like in LA, it takes two hours to go anywhere. So two hours of traffic one way, 
two hours of traffic back home. So that's four hours just in your car. Then you have to get to the location an hour prior to your performance time to set up. And then if you're like me and have a lot of makeup on and a lot of things, that's like, you know, I'm getting up at five in the morning to be someplace at 10 o'clock because I have to do vocal warm-ups and get fabulous. And so, <laughs> so that's, that's the thing. It's just like, it's, it's like half of your day. So I really fought hard to be able to make the, because a lot of people that make decisions aren't creatives and so they don't understand. Mm -hmm. So if you can kind of guide them and help them understand what it is that we do. So I love the people there that are like technically my bosses, they let me do and they trust me and they, they know that I'm going to bring quality entertainment, but they, I love them for the fact that they understand that this is our living. Mm -hmm. And so I, I am confident and like, I, I get excited because I'm like, I can pay a little bit more than other people are paying because I fought hard for that, you know, because I'm, I'm not just a, like a quote unquote producer. I'm also a, an artist. And so I, I want to take care of people as best as possible. So um, it's a great thing. It's once a month. Mm -hmm. And um, right now, like, we'll probably have to figure out how to adapt to this new world we're living in at the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to uh, just sort of put um, perspective on it is it's uh, what is today? April 20th? Yes. April 20th, 2020. So we're still in the middle of the quarantine and you, you're you're doing a lot of on, you're doing a daily online show now. I yes. It's pretty much daily. <laughs> That was an overachiever of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I rude the commitment. I was like, oh, no biggie. I'm going to do Monday through Friday every day. And then then when I started, I was like, oh, my gosh. That's like so much content. Like I'm working so much more now than I was just touring. <laughs> oh, yeah. And plus, I've seen you. Um, I'm gonna, We're going to ramble. We're going to jump all over because there's so many things to talk about. But uh, yeah. yeah, I saw you were you have you recently had uh, Joni Leeds on. I think today. After this, you're going to have Andy Z. I am. Look he at was, you and your knowledge. I, I love it. He was the first person. He was the, I think he was my first podcast. I had a great conversation Aww. with him about gear. And uh, and it was interesting. The thing about Andy Z is that when, I and I didn't know this about him, and, and you just taught me something I didn't know about you. He's like, he performs 300 days out of the year or 300 gigs. I mean, he's just like massively prolific as far as his 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 gigs. And you just mm -hmm. mentioned that you've got like 250 dates in the year, which mm -hmm. is, I mean, on the best year up here, I think we've had like 25 or 30 shows, but it's Montana. So, you know, that's okay. It isn't, it isn't, you know, huge population. Where do you play 250 shows? Like, <laughs> like where are the Everywhere, venues? everywhere. So, um, so, okay, so when I start, so I officially started performing Twinkle Time. It, I, it was conceived in 2009, right? Like, that's when I started writing. Um, my first album came out in 2009. Um, and, but it takes, it took a while, <clears throat> excuse me, to build up show-wise, just even mm -hmm. in Los Angeles, right? And so 2010, I started performing pretty consistently in, like, everywhere, you know, like, you know, play places, you know, smaller properties, whatever. But it took five years, five years for me to get outside of Los Angeles, mm. because I think a lot of people that are in the positions to book you, 
They want to see, sadly, what kind of numbers you have, where you've performed, right? All mm -hmm. that stuff. Mm -hmm. So it took five years for me to get outside of Los Angeles and start touring other places like in NorCal, California, you know, mid-Central California. So I started performing at county fairs, state fairs, and headlining their family stages. And then um, I started getting outside of California, mm -hmm. like at I think in 2016. So, so now like I travel all over the country and, um, I've, you know, performed at Lincoln, like Lincoln square had this Christmas event that I performed at in the Christmas, in the summer, in the Christmas time, sorry. And, um, I performed in Wyoming, uh, at different fairs there. I performed in Montana actually, um, at, at some smaller County fairs there. Um, uh, this year, well, this year's lineup, I was supposed to be in Wyoming, Colorado, Jersey at Performing Arts Center. So I do, I'm starting to do a lot of Performing Arts Centers. Mm. Um, Wyoming, let's see, Colorado, Jersey, New York. I, I was going to see you in Philly. I was going to see you at Kindycom. You were playing yes. at the showcase there. I was super excited to see that. Uh, me too. I was so bummed because I never attended uh, mm. Kindycom before. Neither would I. And yeah. I, was, I was excited that I got accepted to perform their Saturday showcase. And then that was the week that the COVID thing took over. And literally that second week of March, I got all calls boom 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 shows started vanishing i lost 175 dates from march to june and this is like all i do like i don't do anything else i don't have a side hustle this is all me and my husband do so mm -hmm. we got like doubly sucker punched <laughs> and so that's why i think i was like oh man we got it I, I, I got to figure out how to do this live stream. I'm not a techie at all. So I was like trying to figure it out and figure out like how to adapt basically mm -hmm. and how to reinvent, I guess. Oh, and there's a, there's an additional layer that goes on top of this when you talk about um, overcoming these challenges and trying to adapt. And that would be, and it doesn't affect me Affect, effect. It isn't dealing with me because I'm not in California, but um, AB5 was. Uh. Uh, so, and here's the thing it's like, I wouldn't have known about that or its implications if it wasn't for you. And the fact that uh. I'm on Facebook every once in a while and I see you saying, hey, hey, people, pay attention. This is, this, <laughs> this is important. Yeah. This is important for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Could you, and I see that this is as California goes, so goes the nation. In my opinion, that's 90% good, but this is something where I don't think that this is something we want to incorporate or borrow from, from California. Can you take two yeah. minutes and just tell us quickly about what this is and yeah. what, where you're coming down and where it's at? So AB5 is a bill that was passed in October 2019. It was signed with no one voting on it, just the um, the powers to be in the, in the California administration. Basically, and it was passed on as a Uber driver bill. Mm -hmm. So nobody really paid attention to it except for drivers because that's kind of how it was presented in the media. But um, my husband started kind of reading. He's like, um, I think this is going to affect us because it's it, it implies independent contractors, which is what we, we are. We're independent contractors. We are our own bosses and we 1099 
all of our musicians or our dancers, whoever is on the road with us or whoever, because it's either one-offs or maybe you're on the road for two weeks and then you don't do anything for, you know, a couple of days and, and not everybody's available. Cause as you know, sometimes musicians are gigging with others, you know, mm-hmm. they have their own band or whatever. So, so we're like, huh. And I was like, nah, that doesn't affect us. That was in October, November. I was like, ah, it still doesn't affect us. Then we started hearing things in December that it does. And so then that's when I started paying attention, reading. And then I started putting out the feelers on Facebook and nobody knew about it. And I was like, why doesn't anybody know about it? Mm -hmm. This is like all of Los Angeles are independent contractors. If you're in the entertainment industry, like whether you're a dancer, a singer, a musician, a writer, a photographer, uh, a wardrobe stylist, a publicist, like all of these things are all independent contracting jobs and not just in the entertainment field, but nurse practitioners, EMTs, the list of translators, ASL link, you know, interpreters, the list goes on and on. I think there's like over 300 independent contractors that are listed that this affects. So I started becoming, which I've never done, but because it affects my livelihood, like a little bit of an activist. And I like literally went to Sacramento and I started meeting with assembly people and senators and and they had no idea what they signed. And they were like, oh my God, we don't even know, we didn't even know that this affects you in this way because what it implies is if I, as the artist, hire my band, my drummer, my guitar player, and they're doing, even if it's just one show, they automatically become my employee, which means even if it's one time gig, I have to pay into their unemployment, workers comp, disability, for a one-time gig that they might play. If let's say a venue is paying you $500 mm-hmm. and all of a sudden now they're your employees and now you have to pay this, like all this like extra 20%. And a lot of my contracts were already signed for 2020, you know, like I can't renegotiate. So that means I'm the one doing all the work, booking this, you know, uh, budgeting for all of the whatever. Now, all of a sudden, I'm making $0 at the end of the day. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> well, and just the administrative. I mean, I uh, I run a small business, and I'm also a musician who runs his small business uh, as my band. And I understand when you have employees, the administrative time that it takes, even if you wanted to do it, even if you're like, well, no, cool, yeah, well, okay, I'll set you up, and I'll pay the the, the workman's comp, and I'll, I'll go through all that. It's an incredible amount of time and energy just right off the top. That over that burden over the top is... Yeah, I, I don't get paid for my administrative work, technically. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, until I get the gig. So all the phone calls and emails that I'm doing to get the gig that's just part of being an independent artist or mm-hmm. label or, you know, cause we wear many different hats. So the thing is, it's like all now all of a sudden I'm like, wait a second, I'm doing all the work and, and I'm not getting, and, and I don't even qualify for, I can't make myself uh, uh, pay for unemployment and I can't, um, I can't give myself a uh, worker's comp. Like I can't because I'm the employer. And mm-hmm. now I can't even as an employer, I can't write off any business deductions. So all the mileage, like when we take like our tour van, I can't write that off. I can't write all this stuff, all my expenses, my business expenses. So where we're at now is they just, I think it was last week, they're they're saying that musicians might have some sort of exemption with a whole bunch of like details that don't, like what they're offering now still doesn't make any sense because 
the exemption are for musicians that truly only do one-offs and maybe perform a couple of days out of the year at, you know, a wedding or at a bar or anything less than maybe 500 people. So what they're saying now is if you perform anywhere, which if I'm at a performing arts center, performing arts centers seat 1200 people, if it's 1500 people or more, it's still AB5 bill applies. That does that, that ruins me. Mm -hmm. And they're saying that if I'm on the road as a, as a, um, a musician, whatever, and whoever is coming, if it's my two dancers that come on the road or my whole entire live band, and if we're on the road for even more than five days, that's considered a tour, I have to pay them equal pay. Equal pay. Like, whatever, whatever, um, be, like, cause, like, if I pay myself a little bit more for being the administrative person and right. it's my band, I have to pay the person that just literally comes and does the show for 30 minutes the same amount of money that I make. Okay, so I understand why this yeah. would be an idea that they would want to promote because of the Uber economy and because we saw inequity and we saw that there was probably people being exploited doing that. But then mm -hmm. to roll that out to absolutely everything across the board is insane. It's so insane. It doesn't make any sense. And it's unworkable. It's unworkable. Right. And this bill has over 32 carve outs. And when a bill has over 32 carve outs, it shouldn't have been a bill in the first place. And they keep trying to rewrite it. Mm -hmm. None of it makes sense. The people that are rewriting it, sadly, the unions, Screen Actors Guild helped write it, um, tried, uh, the Musicians Union. And I think a lot of it is because so much non-union work because of the internet and because we are now all our own brands and we can create our own thing. A lot of union work is not working for people. People are now going to non-union people and paying them. So, of course, the unions want to take a hold of it. And I'm part of Screen Actors Guild. I'm part of equity, you know, like, but if I'm working more as an independent artist by myself, then, like, I'm not waiting for my phone to ring for a union job to come in. So I, I, I think that, like, the unions are great when you have the job, but for them to be a part of this writing process and try to take away our freedoms and our rights as independent, independent people and to do what we want to do mm -hmm. is crazy. Although, you know, like I think people like, Ooh, they saw the headline where it says musicians exempt. But then if you read it, it's not, mm. it might be a glimmer of hope to people that maybe only, and I'm not knocking those gigs because I've taken smaller gigs too, like when to, I need to fill up the schedule. So it's not a knock on those gigs. It's just, that's not my bulk income. My bulk income is when I'm touring and when I'm doing gigs that have over 1200 people. Mm -hmm. And sadly, AB5 bill applies to every gig that I do now. So it's, it's, it's kind of a nightmare and I really think it should be repealed. Sadly, the COVID has taken over. So we were getting momentum. I was kind of like the forefront in Los Angeles to organizing press conferences and kind mm -hmm. of getting the word to media. But then COVID took over, like right in the middle of like us trying to make headway. And then all of a sudden, you know, like AB5 is untalked about, but then like the powers to be are trying to be like, okay, musicians, we're going to try to help you. But even even their language doesn't help us, especially now because rumor has it that there will be no public gatherings anywhere from nine to 18 months. Mm -hmm. So 
musicians are still in a world of hurt. It's kind of a, it's kind of a one thing after another for the independent musician because we've seen CD sales, physical media go away, and really mm-hmm. no way to replace that income because streaming doesn't, Spotify doesn't pay anything. It doesn't pay anything. So how musicians like myself make money is touring. Like mm-hmm. you tour. And that's how you make money because nobody buys albums. Maybe some people do. Um, maybe they download, but everybody streams or they listen to it on YouTube, which is great. And if I had a million subscribers, I'd be making good money but uh, from my streams. But I don't. You know, I'm working towards that. Um, and the only other way would be to have a TV show, which, uh, you know, obviously... For me, that would be something that would be like a lifelong dream and a goal for Twinkle Time. But at the moment, like it's all still a hustle. So um, it's, yeah, it's kind of crazy. This is another interesting perspective that I've heard about you, which, or or have picked up on uh, about you. You don't enter your music or performances into competitions like the Parents' Choice Awards or things like that. You don't have a... I'm, I, I don't believe that you've got a booking agency or a, a publicist. Do you have a publicist? Mm-mm. You do you, you do you basically in that total independent way. There are things that other performers like myself, like I, I, when I release an album, I put it out for competition because I need press. Basically. I want to get a good review. Yeah. I want to get a gold award or whatever. And some of those are total pay to play. Some of them, I think maybe you have a little bit more integrity, different podcast. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> You know, because because it's pretty dry out there when you're looking for press clippings or a reason to celebrate the album or some update to be like, so that's one of the main reasons that I think a lot of people do it is just for marketing. You have have specifically chosen to not follow that that path and just to promote yourself in your in your own way. And maybe right. that's why I was so surprised when you say you do 250, 250 dates a year. It's like... You're clearly good at what you're doing. You're clearly booking good shows, touring. You're making a lot of this stuff happen. That is a mm-hmm. big challenge for most of us in the kindy world to figure out how do you make that happen? Do you do this by I'll yourself? You. You're going to tell me? Okay. Oh, I'm I'll tell you. Tell I'll me. tell you. Okay. So I think when, when we started when we started the podcast, I was like, I've met, I've been faced with so many challenges and these are... So, some. So I'm actually glad that you asked because I, I don't want to pay to play mm-hmm. because I understand the marketing aspect in that. I understand, oh, you could say, oh, I'm, you know, parent choice. And, and again, not knocking anybody that does that, but I don't want to spend $250 to enter my album and maybe get a gold seal on, you know, and it's, but and you also have to remember it's somebody's opinion, whether they give you that gold record or a, or a silver seal, you know, like they may only like folk music. And then when they hear this pop rock hip hop, they're going to be like, what? So that's why I'm super happy. And I, I, if I can pat myself on the back, it's because it's the audience that has helped me grow. My, the people that came to my shows, they're the ones that spread the word for me. They're the ones that kept showing up and, and giving and allowing me to have a platform. And I think that's a true test of a true artist. Um, we don't, I don't think we need to pay to play. Now, as far as wanting a publicist, 
I want a publicist. Like from day one, I have been knocking on doors to the publicists in our community, um, in, in the children's community, because there's, there's very few publicists that only handle like uh, kid genre family mm -hmm. music. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to those people. Everybody closed their doors on me. They all said no. My first album, they said no. And I think they see like an or orange hair on an album. They think, what is she, a clown? Like what? It, and I think the fault is that they didn't do their research and their homework. Like, who is this person? You know, instead they just looked at the surface and they didn't read the cover. And so they didn't realize that I had all this like all this other experience and, and where I came from and that I came from literally billboard charting mainstream world into kid music. Mm -hmm. They didn't give me the time of day. They said no right away. So then the second album, I would go to them and knock on their door. Some were like, Hmm, I'm intrigued. Send me the album and let me decide for myself. And I was like, mm, no, you're either going to say yes like, because I don't want somebody that is on the fence about me because I'm pretty good at pitching myself because that's all I've ever done is pitch myself. And who who is better to pitch them themselves? It's you. Like, these people have other artists that they're trying to pitch. They might not say the words that kind of like, you know, hit the nail on the head. You're the only one that can kind of like best describe what it is that you do. And it's coming from your heart and your soul. So anyways, um, I had maybe one or two people, but then I couldn't afford like, so they, they might've been like, I'm interested, but you know, I'm still kind of on the fence about it. And so, but the prices are outrageous. Like publicists are so expensive and they want like a three month commitment. So for my third album, I did the same thing, knocked on the doors and some people are like, you know, I've been following you. Their, their comment was, I've heard this from lots of people and I'm going to be fully honest. And if they're listening, oh, well, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I'm like, oh, well, I, you know, it's, it's real. Um, they've said that I'm too flamboyant, but they've never seen me perform. I'm too flamboyant. Why does she have to dress this way? Is she, what is she covering up? Is she actually talented? And I think also too, they're all so used to having artists that play instruments mm -hmm. that somebody like me that is an entertainer that is singing, dancing, engaging, creating, producing. I, like, I mean, I freaking scratch, sketch my albums, you know, like, like I'm very visual. And of course my husband and I, like people think when they look at music videos, they think, oh my God, they must have so much money behind them. No, we're just resourceful and creative people. And this is what we've been doing. Like my husband was also in a boy band. He was in the lead singer of Youngstown signed to Hollywood records. That's how we met. So we're, and he writes like all the music with me. So we're very resourceful and very creative. We don't have big budgets that people, when they look at my videos might think we have, we're just, and we do it ourselves. So that's been really frustrating. And some people like literally to my face, they would be like, you know, is your next album going to be like more of the poppy stuff that you're doing? And yeah, like they literally said this to me. And so it's just, it's, of course, as an artist, you're just like, oh, like just take a chance on me and you'll see that I will make you look good. But they, they have a, a perception or a vision or maybe contacts that they're, maybe they know, okay, well, my contacts are more folk or more singer songwriter. Mm -hmm. I maybe wouldn't know how to pitch her. So that's been a really a big struggle and a challenge to 
I still have it. So for my third album, I did work with a publicist, um, Elizabeth Waldman, who was amazing. Mm -hmm. And I love her and she thinks outside the box. And but I could I literally raised a Kickstarter fund to work with her because it's expensive. And when you're trying to, you know, film music videos on shoestring budgets and put your album out and get it mass produced. It's, it's expensive. And what I will say is she opened doors for me, like as far as reviewers were concerned that maybe wouldn't have reviewed my album if I had sent it. So in that regards, that was awesome. But a lot of people do ask me, it, do you think it's worth it? Like, did it help you booking shows? At this, at this state or at the state when I, when I released my last album, it didn't help me book any more shows than I was booking myself. Hmm. So to have, to have reviews from people, great. And I got to be played on radio stations that maybe they have, they wouldn't have played my music. Yeah. What you do is the same thing that what I've seen 23 Skidoo do, 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 which is <laughs> you know, when I talked to him, he said, look, you have to fill a stage with dancers. Even if there's only three of them, you have to bring a performance to the, to, to the performance or nobody's going right. to care or pay attention and which and right. you do the same thing it's like uh, you're talking about hip-hop and i see skidoo and he's someone who has uh, been really successful he's also an incredibly hard worker and he, oh, has, he, he, and he hustles I, I, like he, mad he does and i don't and i don't mean to interrupt you he i gave him props and i, I don't really know him know him i've met him a couple times and I was really championing when he was nominated for his Grammy the first time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because I was like, yes, like in when I saw his name on there, I didn't know him, but I was like, yes, because that means that somewhere in the clicky, even in the Grammy world, somebody was like, okay, this album is worth it. And I was like, and it's hip hop. And I know because I do pop, hip hop. And I was like, okay, great. And when he won, I was like, I'm so happy that you won because maybe it'll open doors, which mm, I don't know if it's open doors in that regards, but I think people are starting to come around. Like it literally has taken 10 years for those types of people to start coming around and having conversations with me. And, and I've seen Skidoo perform, well, I think once maybe uh, at the actual Grammy thing that they did here in Los Angeles. And, you know, like he's a rapper and he has his dancers and, and I love it. And the thing, the thing that always gets me is we're making music for children, not for our peers. And I feel like some of these publicists and booking agents in this community are like, oh, those were some great chords that you played and some great musicianships, but we're not, it shouldn't be about that because it's children's album. It's, it's making music for kids. And so if we're concerned about the chords that we're playing and the type of guitar it is, and that's all great, but it's music for kids. So when people go, why does she look like that? Why is she wearing all that? What is she covering? It's for kids. <laughs> Have you not seen a four-year-old when they get makeup and glitter and yes, wigs and dance? I Have you make never music seen for children? kids. Good God, come on. Uh, except with like what their parents or older siblings are listening to with the beats that they're listening to, but with 
positive musical content. And that is why I think I've had a really wonderful, amazing, loyal following. And, and oddly enough, my following isn't just children. It's tweens and teens and young adults who are part of this like comic con fantastical world because mm -hmm. maybe i look like a comic con character i don't know but like i have like kids of all ages young adults that follow me and are like jamming out at my concert so that also kind of sets me apart from like a lot of these other people but yeah it's really really strange the mentality of the people that are the deciding maker the, the decision makers in in our in our genre and to to get back to the um this theme of you shining brightly independently like the this is the thing this is when i saw this when i when i first uh, noticed you as a performer out there i was like doing something completely different doing it completely independently doing it with brazen courage in a way that yeah. i couldn't do it yet although inspiring in the way that it's like no it's okay it's okay. Yeah. You have to like, so I'm giving you props in the sense that. Thank you. Well, you have found success and you have found in, and you have a great integrity to that success because you don't pay to play because yeah, this, uh, this genre specifically has its favorites and it's much more of a folk route to it. And it has these expectations. And the weird thing that I was, the, the thing that I always find so contrary about that is that my kids listen to Queen and they listen to Pink Floyd and they listen Heck, to yeah. Jesus Christ Superstar soundtrack. And yes. you know, they listen to they listen to all sorts of stuff that I call kids music. Iconic. Because yeah. they're kids listening to the songs and they like it. And yeah. that getting back to your point, it isn't about what we think, what we want to spoon spoon feed them. It's about what kids want. You know, yeah. and when you've got the orange wig and the <laughs> makeup and the glitter and you're out there, you're doing that that you do. Yeah, there's going to be not every kid is going to go for that because some kids no. like Garth Brooks. Exactly. But the kids who do like it, it's like, well, yeah, give them what they want. That's so awesome. Yeah. I want to totally respect your time today. And I so appreciate uh, this opportunity to chat and hopefully like we'll have something different to talk about in eight or nine months and we can come back and we can see what life is like on the other side of the pandemic as far as the performance yes. go. Maybe we can talk a little bit about how they kicked AB5 to the curb and replaced, awesome. it, replaced <laughs> it with something even worse. It's like, what the? <laughs> Gavin Newsom, come on. You know better than that. Come on, come on. already. And um, yeah. I, oh, I'm going to play one of your songs now. So okay. that's going to happen right now. Showing up in the light. 
Everybody together like there's no other Peace and love to you and yours forever Let's stay united cause we can do better Just to let everybody know, we did this. Uh, we, this is one of the f- few ones that I've done via Zoom. And it was so cool because you've got a gig in like 10 minutes and so I'm going to let you go. But you are in Twinkle Time. And I uh, I pulled out the Cowboy Andy outfit just for Love this it. very thing. So well, I figured I'd meet you where you were or where I am too. So. I love it. It What an honor and a pleasure to meet you and to see you. And I think this is what's so cool about, sadly, because of this pandemic, like obviously the only way we can communicate is virtually and to like to see your face and to see you and to get to know you virtually is like super awesome. Yeah, I hope that in a couple months we can like, I mean, 
we, I, I love talking, so I can, I can sit and talk for hours. <laughs> okay, well, the next, one, the next one that we talk about uh, will be specifically on how you book so darn many gigs and okay. how you manage that as a band leader. Uh-huh. Because that's a cool, huge topic that I think uh, I need to learn more about, and I bet a lot of other people do too. Yeah, for sure. Anytime. All right. Anytime. Well, until then, peace and be well. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Twinkle Time. Thank you for taking the time to talk to me about what you do. And you do such a darn good job of it. I'm super excited about the fact that you do such a darn good job of doing you and doing it without publicists or doing it without promoters. It came without ribbons. It came without boxes. It came without strings. And yet it came all the same and it was Twinkle Time and it was awesome and it rocked. That new single that she just released is called Together featuring MC Magic and Izzy Def. And it's got a really fun video too. So this is what you need to do. You need to go on to that old Facebook page and find Twinkle Time. And you need to subscribe to her channel. And you need to follow her. And you need to think a little bit about what she's up to because she's doing some cool stuff. And lesson for the day. Here comes the moralistic lesson for the day. Just do you. You know, I try hard to think about that and really take those things seriously and 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 try and live that more and more as I build my career and as I sally forth into this planet, you don't, nobody's ever really made much of a difference by conforming to the peers and doing what they think other people expect them to do, especially creatively. If you have your own vision, pursue it. If you have your own thing and it's the only, and you're the only one doing it, that, that means that you probably have a pretty good advantage. If you like to juggle balls of butter and that's your thing, then don't let anybody tell you that you should be juggling chainsaws. And in general, don't let anybody tell you that you should be juggling chainsaws. That's just also a nice uh, uh, bit of wisdom that I'll, I'll impart. I think you guys know where I'm going with this. You know where I'm going with this. Look, I got the pom-poms out. I'm doing this. <gasps> I was just thinking that we could end this podcast with a track from Jesus Christ Superstar. And then I rethought it and decided, no, I'm not going to do that. But, you know, every time I look at you, I really, I don't understand. Oh, I did it anyway. Okay, that's it. Until next time. Hey, you want to be on the podcast? You got something smart to say to other people? Why don't you hop over to cowboyandy.com and get on that website page that has the contact me thing. And then you can shoot me an email and then we can chit chat. And then who knows? I could have you on the other end of a Zoom conversation and we could be talking about your successes, your failures, your really good ideas, your trials and tribulations. As many as possible. As many as possible. Until next time, friends, be cool. Wear your masks. Tall or small, boy or girl